Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Right Film Podcast. I'm Laurel Simmons, and my co-host is Catherine Nelson-Riley. Catherine, wow, you know, we had the first part of this interview, which has been released earlier, but wow, this is second, the second part, and there's an awful lot of information and tips and tricks in this, in both episodes, but also in this one, right? Absolutely. They give us the insider view on what it is they actually do and how they do it and some of their strategies that are behind or the numerous things that they are doing, as well as talking about the changing trends. It's a really interesting episode. All right. And just before we go to our episode, everyone, please go to therightclub.com and that's T-H-E-R-E-I-T-E dot com, where you'll find lots and lots of information hundreds and thousands of hours of information that you can pull out about almost every strategy in real estate investing, but podcasts and videos. We look forward to seeing you there. So now, Catherine, let's go to the interview. Welcome to the Right Club Podcast, where the focus is on helping you, the real estate investor, advance to the next level. And now let's join this week's hosts and share ways for you to customize your life. choose one strategy because you've got a number of strategies and I know this isn't a fair question I'm going to ask it anyway if you had to choose one strategy in out of what you're doing right now which one would it be Um, I would always be value add and long-term buy and hold with value add on the upfront and that involves like repurposing a building so either adding additional units or upgrading that would be always mine. I, to me, I just find it enjoyable. It's nice to go in and to put new vision and to put new life into something that's existing and then have a great product that you have no intention of ever selling. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. We have multiple strategies that we have implemented and we like we still have properties, but those all kind of have a means to an end mm-hmm. versus value add strategy and buying for long-term cash flow and wealth appreciation is that and i guess it's in alignment with our like family goal yeah so and it's in alignment with our investors family goals so it kind of makes sense so for us it's like we do flips to get capital and we take that capital and we invest it into long-term holds you know we have a property management company because it directly complements our portfolio and our clients portfolios and and our buy and hold strategy keeps our costs much lower keeps our clients' costs much lower because then we've implemented these and our these service very operations high. for our own properties and now we just duplicate them for theirs. So it's you know it's a very different approach. I think as Kelly said, that is bar none the, the most important and the most attractive strategy that we're doing is buy and hold. And that's why we are now doing it on a much larger scale or aiming to do it on a much larger scale is to you start to realize, you know, it's a game of monopoly when you have, you know, three red houses and you trade them in for the green hotel. I don't know if I've got my color, but yeah, you, right. you realize that, you know, we've got a lot of duplexes, triplexes, bought them a, a while ago and they're chugging along, you know. But even if your property is cash flow like two bucks a month in this class, it's like the management side of it and the asset management side of it is very similar to what our apartment buildings are. 
I mean, obviously, you know, your renovations tend to increase in price. Your your turnovers, you know, your you need to make sure when you're initially leasing out a building, it's a lot more work on the upfront. But then, it, you know, things just chug along and it starts to to work out the you know the same way as a duplex or a triplex would. When you look at a much larger building, obviously the management's a different beast. However, if you take all these smaller properties and you trade them in for a bigger property, I think that is that's the name of the game. That's mm-hmm. the whole point. Which makes sense. Now, Kaylee, you mentioned value add. Okay, can you explain that a little bit more? How do you value add when you're doing this for your properties? So value add would be looking at something existing. So if you were to take a single family home and you're going to value add, you would be, say, transitioning into like a a triplex. You're going to add three units. So you're either repurposing the existing functionality of the building or going in with, say, a shell. So a lot of the buildings, the one that we have in Hamilton, was the same layout. We just redid all the units and upgraded it. So Obviously, there were mechanical that was done in the building. Everything was upgraded, and then the units were repurposed. So they used to be like two-bedroom, very odd layout. Now they're just the layout's different. It's more functional, that kind of thing. So that's value-add. Or going in and taking an existing building, so the other one that we own in St. Catharines, was a rooming house. Now, I honestly, there's people out there that probably would love to run a rooming house. We're not one of them. All the power to you, but we to, took it in need to legal use. To just clarify, this rooming house didn't have an ounce of copper left in it. No, it had been I, like I, I would have no doubt on that. There was very little rooming left. Yeah. <laughs> no, so, I would imagine anything that was uh, of value had been uh, snafu'd out of there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, a long time ago. So that, like, that's value add going in, and you're looking at something that's existing, and you're either reimagining a better purpose for it that maybe suits the area better, or just suits your own personal portfolio better. So we again favor long-term buy and holds with long longer-term tenants. So tenants that will stay, on average, you know, two to four years, and then they're moving on. So they're you know, millennials, they're people that are young couples getting married, they're going to be saving to buy their first place, you know, or they're just moving locations for jobs and et cetera. So we don't cater to tenants that are going to stay for the rest of their lives. We're definitely catering to a, a very similar set tenant, I guess that would be very close to Alex and I. Okay. When you oh, that makes sense. In- Sorry, Catherine. When you look for tenants in the States, in some of your properties, do you, do you use a service or how do you go about it? That's property management. Yeah. So I think that for that type of thing, like these guys do different checks. Like they do criminal background, all kinds of different checks. I, privacy laws are different too. Everything yeah. is so different. Even, so, yeah. yeah I mean, so for anything of out of country, okay. definitely I would suggest relying and vetting a good property manager to make sure that they... Are, are doing the right thing. So we've got a really good property manager lined up in Columbus and they're excellent. They'll run, they've got like a real estate division as well. They know that we already have our own real estate services that we utilize out there, but they'll run comps the same way like a realtor will. They'll, mm-hmm. they get a whole pricing structure is very professional. So it's definitely find somebody local that, on that front. And if the property demands, we see once you get into the larger caliber of buildings like 50 plus units, Actually, bring somebody in house. It's a yeah, different and have ball them game, live there. right? So, 
Oh, that's cool then. So you really have your finger on the pulse of things. And as you say, you really crush your keys, you dot your eyes, your engineering background is part of everything you do. But as you're going and you're assessing everything, like what are you seeing for the changing trends? Like what's what do you see happening and going from here? That's a good question. I think that right now it's interesting and it doesn't bode well for my personality as an impatience. I'm very impatient. I think that right now, the most challenging thing for me is finding patience. I think that, and a lot of the folks that I'm networking with and talking with too, who are, I would deem to be more sophisticated, there was, as I said, that big run up in appreciation that we've seen across the board, we've seen it in all kinds of different states. I think that when the tide comes out, you really see who's still wearing pants or not kind of thing, right? So, so it's, <laughs> there's a visual for you. But it's we're both wearing pants, just yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I think that's going to be an important thing, and I think that we'll see that one benefit in the U.S. And this is more so for smaller caliber properties, smaller multi leagues, three to single family homes in the U.S. You can get a thirty year fixed mortgage, and right now a lot of the um, speculation is around, you know, well, they're not seeing as many foreclosures as they had initially anticipated because so many people locked in at like a two to 3% interest rate in 30 years. For example, my friend out in Columbus, oh yeah, I'm locked in for 30 years. That doesn't bode well for people who need to sell. Mm -hmm. So what you have now is you still have increased inventory and you have a person, let's say that bought at 250,000 for us. It's like, oh, I wouldn't love a price like that. So, but they bought there and now they've locked in at, let's call it 3%, but now they have to sell. And now the market's no longer demanding 250 there. It's demanding only 200. So how does a person get out of that mortgage or how do they pay that difference? How do they do it? So that's why a lot of people are finding different ways around it. They're opting to, to stay. So similarly in the larger multifamily world is that you have people bought, interest rates were very attractive. However, now with the climate changing, a lot of these renewals coming to effect and a lot of new mortgage commitments being put forth, their interest rates are jumping out. You're starting to see that a lot of people were just compounding their investments. It almost comes out as like a, like they were just like using investments to pay off debt from another. You know what I mean? It's just like this, a very dangerous game. And I think that there might be blood in the streets coming out in the near future. And I, I like, We'll see how people weather the storm, but, you know, we've all read about, you know, commercial real estate and the lack of office spaces being utilized all across North America. That's here in, in Canada, as well as the yeah, U.S. Just offices sitting empty. So, you know, but wherever there is a lack, there is opportunity. And the question is that how do we take whatever, how do we take all this data that we're being fed and all the, the sky is falling insights and the fear mongering that everybody's portraying how do you turn that into something that can profit for yourself and your investors and how do you do that without putting too much risk the risk has to what we call asymmetric your risk has to be there's always going to be an element of risk but your reward has to be much higher in whatever the investment you do so you're there's always going to be risk but how do you mitigate that enough to be comfortable jumping on something so multifamily is pretty cut and dry. There's, you know, other than your cap rate and the operation, like the net operating income that you can create from this building, 
executing that business plan tends to be the risk, right? And that's why here in Canada, it's, or in Ontario specifically, sorry, it's very challenging to do that because the longest, for the longest time, the monitors being like, oh, well, in five years, we'll have completely turned over all the units. Like, good luck. We know people here in Ontario that are like offering tens, $30,000 for keys. And they're like, now it's like 50,000 starting. It's insane. It used to be 25. Now it's doubled. But again, people are learning because of things like Facebook and social media. There's platforms like I cannot tell you how much fraud I see. And it's so sophisticated nowadays. But there's services you can go online. You don't have to go on the dark web. You can go online and you can say, I need a fake employment letter. I need a fake pay stub. And I need somebody to fill in as a reference too. And these are good. It's a service. If there's a need, there will be an opportunity, right? And these are very clever people that are like, you know what? I see an opportunity. There's people that have really bad credit who have not taken care of their, you know, situation for years, but they're renting and they still need to get from point A to point B because of displacement or whatever. And these are pretty easy services. So you need to ensure that it's not just calling a number that's provided to you anymore. Like the taking somebody at their word, those days are long gone. Unfortunately, it's just the risk in Ontario is so high that, you know, you might get a tenant in your building and good luck getting rid of them. Right. And that's why people are like, I had no choice but to sell. It's we heartbreaking. Our last, one of our last investments, most recent, sorry, investments that we did was a lady who wanted to outright sell her triplex. And during COVID, all three tenants pooled their thought processes together and decided to not pay her rent on her triplex for the better part of a year plus, whatever. They were $58,000 in arrears on rent. Just all a bunch of bums. Yeah. And so she, like, she was just racking her brain on how to do this property. She's like, I just want to sell and be done with it. So we actually partnered with her and agreed on a buy-in price so that she could keep part of the asset. We'll take on all the work for it, you know, take it off of her plate because it was causing her such an immense amount of stress. And she still gets to keep 50% of it. And now the property is being completely refurbished such that she's actually got all her initial investment back out. And so those- well, how did you, how did you deal with that? Because that's, I mean, I know it's a horror story, but there were a lot of horror stories like that, especially during COVID when people just took advantage and not, it didn't happen all the time, but you know, there's always someone who'll do something like that. How specifically did you handle that? Because I would really like to know, and I bet other people would like to know. How do you get rid of those tenants? Like, what did you do? And paralegal. Well, that, that's first a, things first. Find yourself a good paralegal. Unfortunately, in, it's not on, easy to navigate. In Ontario, it is asinine. I'm gonna like the whole LTB system and the backlog is such a joke. It is such an absolute joke that it's un, unbelievable. In the event that. If a person who doesn't know what they submits an application to somebody and they like mess up a date or they sign in the wrong spot, they'll be like, oh, we'll throw it out. And they'll tell you that eight months after, once you've been waiting patiently to get somebody out there. So unfortunately, you, you got to play within the rules. You can't, it's not like we're going there with like a bunch of bouncers and throwing people out. You just can't do that. So, but you have to go through the process correctly. No, I wouldn't actually. Unfortunately, like you have doing the process correctly, I think is probably one of the first steps and the one of the more challenging things. They don't also make it easy at at the LTB. I'm sure you guys have dealt with all kinds of 
fiction stories. Yeah, and you're also dealing with the, you know, the emotional barometer of whoever happens to be hearing your case that day as well, right? There's no, it's not at the point where it's so cut and dry by the law that it's like, well, you know, the case law state, it's like some days it's like, no, this guy is just having a bad day and he's not hearing it. And that could be in your benefit or it could be in the benefit of the tenant. You never know. So it's like, there's so much uncertainty, even paralegals who this is all that they do know that it's a broken system. And even they probably don't have the utmost confidence every day when they're going into court hearings because they're like, oh, there's always just an element of unpredictability, which makes it very challenging. But plan for it to take a while. Unfortunately, there's no like, there's no secret sauce that you can, I can sprinkle here to the audience, unfortunately. Like if you do this, you'll get this. But the most important thing is knowing how to do it correctly. Because if you don't do it correctly, that's where like, you have these nightmare situations people being years without getting a tenant out. And for something like a non-payment of rent, it's pretty cut and dry. Mm-hmm. There should be no, in my opinion, and I you know, get this on the record, the LTB should remove the, adjudicate, the adjudication of non-payment of rent. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to do the math that, oh, you owe a couple thousand dollars. This shouldn't be part of the whole backlog system. That's something that you can hire an administrator to figure out. Yeah, you and either so, owe rent or you don't. So if that's the case, they could get rid of a mass backlog because the majority of the LTV cases, I think 85% of them are all non-payment of rent issues. You get rid of that backlog, now you can actually have somebody who is there to adjudicate the conflicts between maybe a, a unit not being up to a certain safety standard or a, a tenant between tenants. who is you know causing ruckus for another occupant. These are issues that you can't wait eight months. Like we have a, a tenant in the building that we uh, inherited, and we've gotten A plus tenants into the floor above her, and we've had consistent turnover because they don't want to be in a place where someone is, you know, insisting on smoking in their units or something of the sort, or yelling at the top of their lungs at three o'clock in the morning. You know, having police come. So. So for that particular instance, then you just, you went through the LTB process, the landlord tenant board, and eventually you got them out. Yeah, we got them out. And then it's a matter of also executing on getting it to position work and start to generate income faster. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's uh, having everything in line for renovation. And, and they have Alex excels there too. All the crews and all the systems and operate to, to get that happening quickly so that you don't have to rely on getting three quotes from conduct. We've got a lot of these resources like in staff already. So I think the day that they were evicted, we'd already cleared out. (laughs) It was very fast. We had been there as they were moving their stuff out. Right. So, you know, it's pretty fast. There's not a lot of delay between the time the sheriff shows up and they're booted to all their stuff is out. And then it's, we're already like ripping drywall down and taking flooring out. There's a, Obviously, certain ways you can try to be more creative, like obviously cash for keys is one. However, it's mainstream now. Like you're a- And it set a dangerous precedent where yeah. now people use it to be abusive towards landlords. And it's an expectation. They won't consider anything other than, and it's your prerogative. I don't personally believe in it. And I also, to go even one step further, I would never ex- accept a tenant if I found out they came from a cash for key situation. I just think well, how, do you, how do you find that out? So you call references. That's the first step. I actually, we just declined an application based on that. 
They said, so yeah, I, we had to buy this person to leave. We gave them cash for keys because we had to sell. And, you know, like, I'm just, I'm not interested in that because that's somebody who's now being given a sum of money for no other reason other than to leave. That's a thought in the back of their head. A, they weren't a great tenant anyway, but there were other reasons not to forward with their application. But, you know, why would we want to even entertain someone like that? They've already now given the idea that's like a, that could be like a means to an end for them. There's people, this is how they make a living, right? They get into a unit, then they get bought out, they buy themselves a new car, then they move on to the next one. Like, I'm just not looking to bankroll anybody, so I won't take cash for keys. Or we haven't been in a situation where we've had to yet. So with all the, as you mentioned, fraud that's out there, and I mean, I in my neighborhood, I've seen where some of the homes that are rented and everything else that, that they gave false references oh, yeah. and false information. But what are the processes that you use for screening tenants to mitigate the chance of this happening and to have them as honest as possible? Because that is your investment. And I just, yeah. I mean, you know, there's, I think that everybody probably has their own system that they stick to for screening. I think that especially if you're getting a very high volume, the first tip that I would give is just to have a minimum standard. So everyone should have a minimum standard. You know, you create just like you would in considering a, a partner. So if you're thinking about a joint venture partner, who's your perfect avatar? What, it, what specifically are you looking for? Your tenant should be no different. You know, you have to think. So we give a little bit more consideration than just the individual. We're thinking, okay, well, what building are they going into? What are the other tenants in the building like? Because I'm finding there's a lot more incidences of even just altercations between units where sometimes people just don't jive. So you might have a great tenant on paper. Let's say they have good income. They've got great credit. But then, you know, maybe they're just a needy person or they're demanding or who knows what. They're just not going to work in that building because you've got two shift workers who don't have animals who like to keep things very quiet. And this person's a social butterfly with seven dogs or something, you know? So think about the ideal tenant. You know, who do you want that person to be? Do you want them to stay forever? Do you want them to kind of on? And then I think that they're all pretty basic, like call references, do background checks, creep these people. Like, I don't know. I always laugh. Like, you know, you got to like put on an investigator cap. I love it, but I'm really nosy. So like to me, that's always like the funnest part. <laughs> so, like, you know, I'm in a, like a dirty shirt. I'm like, oh, what's going on? And, and find out all that information. And then I always like to meet people. I think lots of landlords maybe don't have the opportunity to, but I've had lots of clients who want to have a quick video call with the applicant, right? That's fine. It's acceptable. You know, I don't take references at face value, so I would never divulge like, you know, this person I'm calling, this is their name, you know, they lived at this address. You know, you're always trying to formulate questions to trip people up. And if they correct you, that's great. You know, you might say something like, oh, yeah, they lived at 123 Main Street. And they're like, no, sorry, they were at 456 South Street. And you're like, ah, oh, perfect. This person actually knows what they're talking about. So, you know, you're asking questions that you're intentionally trying to trip somebody up. And I don't know, maybe us women are just a little more. <laughs> I called Gailie a viper when it comes to this, because she like will find out like their grandmother's maiden name. And I'm like, how did just you? wait till her son start dating? Yeah. <laughs> Lord help. 
The one, one actual real benefit that we've seen, and that's one of the benefits that we also have our licenses as real estate agents, we have mm-hmm. access to like the land registry backend system. Whereas yeah, for a lot ownership, of, of, that uh, helps. The companies might not have that. But when somebody says, well, I used to live at 123 Main Street and John so-and-so was my landlord. And you look at 123 Main Street and it's like Susie Bell and it's like, that's not your landlord or whatever. And then you call John and he doesn't know who Susie is. You know, it's like, now you're like, okay, well, there's an inconsistency. And it doesn't mean that it's not always the case because maybe that was the property manager of that building, but you were looking for the story. And if the story rolls out okay, then you can have a bit of confidence that's okay, well, you know what? This actually kind of checks out. Yep, there but, can be explanations for things that aren't necessarily black But and white. I find that's one that a lot of people kind of miss. They're like, well, I just, I'll just tell them that I lived in my aunt and uncle's place and this was my person. You know, it's like, well, you know, you, if you have the back-end system, you can actually do a little bit of a background check on that kind of thing too. So mm-hmm. a little quick. All right. Well, you, I think we could talk to you all afternoon. But now it's time for the lightning round. These are... More questions. Very easy questions. We'll ask one to each of you. So, Catherine, would you like to start? I would. So, this is one of my favorite questions to ask people, and I'm going to ask it to each of you for each of you to answer. What is one fun fact about yourself that most folks would not know about you? And there's silence. And he was like, oh, I can think like a million for Alex. So I grew up on a farm, a horse farm in particular, and I had a tie to Columbus as well because I actually used to show competitively all through the states. So I went to Columbus all the time. So that's another kind of tie-in that we had to Columbus, Ohio. So I grew up raising horses, riding horses, and showing at a very high competitive level. Wow. One for me is that I am fluent in Hungarian, and I grew up speaking Hungarian and German before I even knew England. Oh, wow. Oh, that's great. Okay, question two. If you were to go back and talk to your 18-year-old selves, what would you say? What what piece of advice would you give your 18-year-old self? I don't know. I was pretty grounded at 18. Actually, proud of my 18-year-old self. Now, we wouldn't know what we knew now at 18. We would just be given advice. That's good. I would just say buy real estate quicker. Yeah, that's an easy one. I would say the same. Yeah. You know what? I don't regret going to university at all. And I don't regret obviously graduating from school because I think that education is very important. However, I was, we were the same age, were of a generation that there was really no other option. Now I would say, you know, there are many ways to earn and there's many ways to develop yourself personally. And, and education, like higher education, is only maybe one of them. I wouldn't have made myself feel so pressured to have to go to Mac and to go to that certain trajectory. That's a good point. Yeah. Okay. So what is the one attribute that has made you successful? Taking action very quickly. Grit. Just a relentless grit. Yeah. You're gritty. I'm almost like, you just have a lot of confidence. I'm almost a silly amount of times. <laughs> okay. She just saw ice in Eskimo and yeah. she would have no idea what ice is. It's good. But she's a, <laughs> it's proven her, proven very well for her. Yes. For sure. Yeah. Unfathomable okay. self confidence. 
So here's one for you that is, you know, it's about your family because you have three little ones. Mm-hmm. And what do you do for fun? Because you have a family and you have this business and you have staff. What do you do for fun? I read a lot. That's personal fun. Yeah, I think together we are like, I'll give you an example. Kaylee and I won't buy Christmas presents for each other. Instead, we'll do something fun together. Like we'll go get an Airbnb and we'll put the kids over with the in-laws or the parents or whatever. And, and we'll spend time together doing fun things. So they're going out, doing, you know, we went to New York City. Like, mm-hmm. I think we really, really like doing that kind of stuff. That was a complete surprise too. That was a great yeah. So it's uh, I think that experiences are very important. And I think that especially life is chaotic right now with kids. I think that is very important for young families to have the time as couples. Uh, just always like the kids actually need that from you guys as mm-hmm. from us as couples too. They need to see that we are like, you know, making sure our relationship is is always on on the best it can be. And so we we just started dance lessons again too. So yeah, we do stuff like that too. So, Sunday nights. So we do oh, dance lessons. Yeah. yeah. So we'll, we'll go out for dinner and stuff like that here or there. It's so something spontaneous. Golf lessons. We did golf lessons for sure. So that's important, I think, as a couple for myself. And I would say Kaylee's more of the reader. I'm more of the, like, I, I watch YouTube a lot and I'm all very into, like, like, economics and stuff like that. But if I have a spare 20 minutes, and I'm hoping one of your viewers also does this, I like to play a game called Age of Empires. It's like a game from, like, the 1990s. But they've obviously made it like better and updated it. It has a cult following. And honestly, That's I just pretty cool. I love the game. I, I, I maybe get to play once every week and a half, maybe, or whatever. And it's like a half an hour game. You jump on and jump off. But it's just that this is probably the only thing I'll play nowadays. But it's, I hope anybody listening to this who plays Age of Empires, if you guys want to throw down, find me. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm kind of these okay. platforms. That's for... the plug. Yeah, that's the plug. You can find me at. <laughs> exactly. I'm going to say how how can people reach you to talk about <laughs> the game and other things? What's the best way to reach you? Well, our website is www.howpropertysolutions.com. And there's a bunch of you can book a call there. There's also a we've got a lot of free giveaways on there. Ebook that. Mm-hmm. download it's how to get your foot in the door we also have like a syndication guide so an introductory to what apartment building investing looks like and then of course our instagrams pal property solutions and then obviously alex pal and kaylee pal on facebook i think is probably the best ways all right our, our emails too if you're interested they're super simple they're either apal or kpal at palpropertysolutions.com so Super. So people can find you. That's wonderful. Thank you very much. And we'll have you back again. In the, and let's not make it two or three years because, you know, you guys, a lot of things are happening for you. So it's always fun to catch up and see what you're doing. And I think you inspire a lot of people. So thank you. Thank you, guys. Yes, thank you're so very much grateful for, for the time. It was so nice to see you too as well. Okay. Bye-bye for now. Bye, guys. Catherine, there was part one and there was part two to this interview. What do you think, all told? I thought it was awesome. In fact, we could have actually had a part three. There was so much information and that that has to come. So we'll have them back again soon. But I thought it was awesome when they were talking about their changing trends, what it is that they do with their tenants as far as screening, as part of sharing some of their informations, 
And I just thought it was excellent with the education and the information that they shared with us. All right. Well, there you have it. And we look forward to having you join us again for our next episode of the Right Club Club podcast. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to the Right Club podcast, where the focus is on helping all levels of real estate investors advance to the next level and help you customize your life. Be sure to tune in next week at rightclub.com slash podcast or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you get a few seconds, please rate the podcast wherever you're listening. It helps the show get noticed by others like you. And we truly appreciate it. And don't forget to subscribe.